0: Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, and we are on episode 41 of the podcast. Um, Also, bringing your attention, just doing some housekeeping stuff here, just bringing your attention to the fact that I am doing a Book of Mormon series, going through chapter by chapter, deep dive, diving in, taking our time, not worried about how long it takes, uh, just doing a deep dive, trying to get under the uh, the scriptural dirt to see what lies beneath. See what kind of things that we can discover about these these verses as we traverse through the Book of Mormon together. We're going to go through the entire book, and then we're gonna we're gonna tackle one of the other uh, books in the canon. We're just gonna keep going through this, um, as as long for you know as long as it takes and as much time as we have, um. Other than that, there is also the... For those of you that have subscribed, we've got new subscribers. uh, Make sure to check out... Probably the most important thing to check out is the Midweek Spiritual Boosts. Those are from typically the Brethren. Every once in a while I might throw a... John By The Way or something like that at you. Or a Cleon Skousen or something. But for the most part, I pretty much 90% of the time will stick with one of the Brethren. uh, A talk from them and that is really... That should be what you guys are looking at. The sources that you're looking to for your information. I think it's fun and great that you come to me, but make sure we stick to uh, to the proper priesthood channels and, and place their advice and stuff above all. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. Um, lots going on in the world, brothers and sisters. Lots going on. Lots of things on my heart. Today, uh... It's Sunday today. We went and, me and my boys, we went and took care of Sacrament to the Homebound. Made sure that we took care of our priesthood duties and stuff like that. And I just, I've, I've had a lot on my mind. I've had a lot of things on my heart. And one of the great things is that come Sunday, I can kind of forget all of that stuff and I can... I can go to church and I can get like a a good reset. You know what I mean? I get a good reset, and I get a good reset on my perspective. And as uh, President Nelson has asked us to to think uh, celestial, I think that's why Sunday is so important. You know I think that's why it's so important to not only have your Sunday but to have it in the proper Sabbath way right, not going and doing a bunch of shopping, not going and and screwing around, you know what I'm saying, like going and, and hanging out with your buddies at the mall or whatever, but to truly set that day apart and to have it be a day of rest and to have it be a day of service to our brothers and sisters in the ward or the stake or whatever, and to kind of get out of the of the norm of the week. Get out of the norm of the hustle and bustle and the rat race. Um, for me, I think, more than that, it's even, you know, that there's so much going on in the world, and I'm keeping a very close eye on Israel. Um, I'm keeping a close eye as to what's going on with that, and I'm keeping a close eye as to what's going on here at home as we kind of slide deeper and deeper as a nation into the arms of of Baal or or. Moloch or whatever, you know, pick pick your ancient evil god, right? It's it's incredible to see these things happening. It's incredible to see. And I don't want to get into politics here, but Israel is by its very nature just dripping with with symbolism and with prophecy. And so I'm going to go ahead and tread into these waters here, but to see pro-Palestinian, um, marches and, and protests and stuff like that happening where they are chanting words, the, the words, uh, gas the Jews and stuff like that, harkening uh, hearkening back to a time of, of Hitler and Nazism, um, going back to the Holocaust and where many, many, many lives were, were taken murdered, um, unjustly taken. And it's it's incredible to me that my country, you know, that certain aspects of my country are like that. That groups of people in this country would call for things like that. If anything, call for peace, right? It's like, I, I don't think anybody can argue with peace. But, you know, I see things like this, and I I, I have been diving into the scriptures to do these... Uh, well, specifically the Book of Mormon. But I, I typically, whenever I go into the Book of Mormon, I'm diving into the Old Testament or the New Testament to see what's going on on the other side of the world to get that second witness, right? Because that's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. It's about getting you know, that, that second witness. That's how God does things, two or three, right? And it's been interesting, to say the least. I think that for a long time I felt a lot like Laman and Lemuel, and we're, we're going to cover this more as we get into the, the Book of Mormon deeper and deeper, but um, shortly coming up we're going to be talking about how Laman and Lemuel, how they had to have Nephi interpret a lot of the scriptures for them, and Nephi's response to them when they're asking him questions is, have you inquired of the Lord? And their response is, uh, the Lord doesn't make any such thing known unto us, right? The Lord, Lord's not telling us anything. And I think for a long time, I kind of had that attitude about Isaiah, about the Book of Revelations, about about um, the Isaiah chapters specifically in the Book of Mormon, and about you know, the allegory of the olive tree and stuff like that, like these things. I think that we are self-defeating on. And one thing that is incredibly apparent at this time is that we have so many tools at our disposal. Technology is such that we really have the vast majority of of human knowledge, of a library of human knowledge at our fingertips. And with the advent of of basic ai and stuff like that which is you know even now the layman has access to in in at least a a a more basic form a more stable form of it they're working on it still obviously but you have access to be able to get to it to where you can ask some some really uh important questions and get some really helpful answers you know and it's quick it's like a basically it's like a, a, a search engine on steroids it's really cool but we have all these tools at our disposal yet we number 1 we don't we we don't use them number 2 we don't ask for the lord to help us understand anything and number 3 we we just don't read it right we just simply won't even attempt it now we know that the lord loves effort brothers and sisters that's why the gathering of Israel is squarely in, in our responsibility. It's in our laps. And the Lord could take care of that himself. He doesn't need us, right? The Lord can gather Israel on both sides of the veil by himself. He could do it very easily. He has a numberless concourses of angels at his disposal that he could send as missionaries. He could take care of it himself. But he doesn't do that. He has us act as his agents. He has us take up the role as angel in some instances, right? And we are then given the responsibility for our benefit and for the benefit of our brethren, for that mutual growth and benefit, spiritual, um, futuristic growth, we are able to, to go forth, and we are able to be instruments in the hands of the Lord. And we are able to go and to gather Israel and have that blessing. And we can be saviors on Mount Zion as we as we gather Israel on the other side of the veil uh, for our ancestors, our righteous ancestors, who are, are but waiting for us to to give them the opportunity to stand in proxy for them and to do the work for them and to allow them to say, yes, yes, I I accept membership in the kingdom. And it's really, it's really very interesting, brothers and sisters, because we, we have all of these things and we, we just, it takes effort. The gospel takes effort. That's something I've learned that's something that I've learned, and hearing that from President Nelson just cements it for me, that if you want to know, for instance, if you want to know if we're in the sixth or seventh seal, you can find that out, and it's very plain and precious. It's very easy to to, to see where we're at, if you look, and if you know how to look, and if you spend the time to research how to look, and what books to look in, and stuff like that. It's It's there. It's... It is a low-hanging fruit that you just have to kind of know about, right? You kind of have to research it and figure it out, but it's there and it's low-hanging fruit. Um, very interesting stuff to go along with that. That's something that that just recently I was, you know, I've I've hear arguments on both sides, and I stuck with what I heard on on Zion or Bust on that channel from Micah over there. And uh, to me, like, he, he did a great job at, at showing, yeah, we're not in the seventh seal yet, and here's why. And he used the scriptures, and I absolutely love that. And if you guys haven't checked out that channel, there's it's a community of people who are sticking close to the brethren, but who are looking forward to the second coming of Christ, and who realize what time we're in and how close we are. But it's a group of people who have their heads squarely set upon their, their shoulders, And they are um, sticking to the doctrine of the kingdom. They are sticking to the words of the prophets. They are sticking to uh, the canon of scripture that we have. And are rejecting um, anecdotal evidence from people who are having dreams, who are having visions and stuff like that. Like, it's great. I'm sure lots of people are. But in order to make movements and spiritual movements based on on anecdotal dreams of individuals who have no authority, who have no stewardship, is a dangerous game to play. A very dangerous game to play. And getting back to to discovering these things, you know, I, I... I went ahead and I started to research, I started to look, and I started to dissect the Book of Mormon, and remembering remembering that the Book of Mormon was put together painstakingly um, in such a way that it would be of a benefit to those of us in these last days of the last days, right? In the fulfilling time of the, of the times of the Gentiles which started when uh, Christ was crucified and the gospel was able to go forth to the Gentiles after only being available to the Jews, right? That was the times of the Gentiles. And it has still continued on, but is about ready to come to an end. Um, it's been fulfilled. Israel is, has returned, or excuse me, the Jews have returned to Israel, to their country, and in in that way it has been fulfilled but it has not been completed yet we're on the cusp of that completion but going back to uh to what i was talking about in in discovering some things i went through and i started to read with an understanding um after doing some some background work to see Okay, Nephi dives in and he starts talking about Columbus. He starts talking about the discovery of America. He starts uh, going in and and discovering this, this great and abominable church that shows up at some point. Um, very interesting stuff, because as I'm reading it, I'm getting Revelations vibes. And I had heard that before, that it was a... I'd, well, I'd never heard that it was a precursor to the Book of Revelations, but that's what it is, and I just never put two and two together. You know what I mean? I figured, oh, okay, because at the end he says, "Oh yeah," of verse or uh, of chapter 14, First Nephi 14, he says, "Oh yeah," and this and there's a servant of of the apostle or the, there's an apostle, a servant of the Lamb who's going to finish this stuff, and his name is John. And so I figured, oh, okay. You just got to turn over to Revelations at that point I guess but nobody ever does. I didn't. You know what I mean? I just never thought about it that way. I have approached the book of Revelations and I have tried to to just start reading it um and you kind of are lost in the sauce if you do it that way. Like it was just very interesting to look at it and to see, okay, we got to start with First Nephi first. Uh, First Nephi twelve, and then go thirteen, and then do fourteen, and then you can say, okay. Now, the Lord's told uh, Nephi through the Spirit that he was to stop. He said, "Don't talk any more about what you're seeing." Now, why would he do that? Why would he do that? That was. That, that was um, weighing on my mind. I was, Why would he tell him to stop? Is it because Nephi was too plain, too precious? Because he spells things out. He does a great job at that. Maybe, Maybe because we need to be tested on this, or maybe because if you want the answer to it, you need to work for it. Maybe some people aren't ready for it, and it's like a parable. You know what I'm saying? All these things are completely valid. But I took and I said, okay nephi was told not to report on his account of what he saw so i went to the book of revelations and i discovered that if you if you're reading in first nephi 14 then the book of revelations picks up in about chapter 7 and it acts as a continuation of the vision and you will know extremely quickly as to where we are on the timeline where we exist on the timeline. And it's kind of exciting. It's really cool. But then you go back to the Book of Mormon and you say, okay, so then Nephi takes a chapter or two and just kind of talks about some other things, Then all of a sudden he starts throwing Isaiah at you. Now why would that be? Did some research. Turns out, Nephi wanted us to know what he saw. And you can almost hear that he desperately wanted us to know what he saw. So it's cool that he says, hey, he gives us a clue by saying, hey, the guy that's going to finish this, the spirit told me his name was John. He's giving us clues because he wants us to look it up and to see what John had to say about it. And then he says, wait a minute, Isaiah saw everything that I saw. I've read it. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna hand pick some chapters of Isaiah, and I'm gonna put them in here, okay? Now when you understand the premise of that, then the picture starts to organize itself, and you don't have to do a ton of work to figure out what is being said. Now all of a sudden Nephi first uh, Nephi twenty. You know, which is corresponding with Isaiah 48, I believe. You're like, okay, what, why would he pick up in Isaiah chapter 48? Well, it's because he wants us to see what he saw. So he's showing us what Isaiah was talking about, and what Isaiah saw. We're getting the answers, <laughs> brothers and sisters. We're being given some extraordinarily valuable information as to understanding what what the times that we live in are and, and and what to expect next. I can tell you that from my study, from looking at where we are, from looking at what um, Isaiah was talking about, from looking at, at what Nephi and John um, are talking about here, We are going to experience a a hardship. We're going to experience some tribulation where we're going to be allowed um, to be stepped on for a minute. And I'm not prophesying that. I'm telling you that from what I have read, that's where we're at. We're going to be allowed to be stepped on for a minute. Are we ready for that because I'll tell you something. I think that always that always bothered me. That always freaked me out a little bit, the idea of being controlled or stepped on, or for the the saints to to be under the the thumb of of of, you know, the the Assyrian or the the whore of Babylon or whatever, right? That never sat well with me and I people who are more spiritual than i were like yeah but you got to look at it after that because christ comes like yeah but i don't want to go through the stuff that I, that i have to you know what i mean it's like it's like they say i'm not afraid of death well i'm not afraid of death either i know where i'm going you know but but i, I don't want to go through the stuff that takes me through the valley of death you know what i'm saying i don't want to make the trek like that it doesn't sound fun i'm okay dying I'm not okay going through the the, the trouble of dying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, it's the same way with, with with this, where it's like, you know, yeah, I'm excited for the second coming. I'm excited uh, for Christ to come back and for us to have a perfect system of government under under the the, the royal monarch of of the great Jehovah. Yeah, I'm all for that. But the stuff that we got to go through to get there is it sounds kind of rough. <laughs> Right? I can tell you that after reading through some of these scriptures, brothers and sisters, and I'm in the process of doing it because I'm reading and I'm rereading these chapters and I don't move on until I feel like I understand as to what's going on. So I'm on my fourth time reading through some of these. And I'm getting insight and I'm getting inspiration and I'm getting the Spirit is, is feeding me baby food here. On You know what I mean? And it's It's getting me to the point where I'm kind of understanding a little bit more, uh, for me, as to where we're at and stuff. And that is where we are at. But, going beyond that, after that, um, Isaiah steps in, and we get words of the great Jehovah. We get the, thus saith the Lord, Old School, Old Testament, prophetic speech. Where he is basically saying, yeah... Israel, you have, you know, you've had your problems and stuff like that, but I remember the covenant that I have made to your fathers. And I'm going to call you to come out of Babylon. And that, to me, was, it, it was so hopeful and so incredible. Hearing that, saying, yeah, you've been, you've been oppressed. You've been oppressed by Babylon. And that, all that is is another word for, you know, the the great whore that, that rideth upon the beast and stuff like that. It's it's the same thing. They're talking about the same thing. They're just using different uh, phraseology and words. But when you start to put all, all that together, the hope for me came in. And I became excited. I became really excited. Because... The Lord is going to step into our reality. And He's going to provide miracles. And if you look at the footnotes as you read, and as you look up these words that you don't understand, and these phraseologies, and you research them, you look into the Hebrew as to what it's trying to say, you get this this understanding as to what's really happening and to the miracles that are going to happen, that we are going to see. I mean, do do people realize that President Nelson has told us that we are to choose right now to be that people who will welcome Christ? he, He told us. He's like, you guys need to choose right now. He's not saying that you will need to choose at some point. He's saying the time is now to choose. Are you going to be the people? That will welcome Christ in when he shows up there is a change in tone brothers and sisters from from even ten years ago, but definitely from twenty years ago you know what I mean i I watched one of the videos put out by Zion or bust um and it was it was really well done very well done we're talking about how Um, Elder Bednar had a meeting with President Hinckley, and President Hinckley was talking about how this is, he was telling uh, Bednar, this is one of the most exciting times in the history of of this church, this Latter-day Church. And he said, my only regret is that I won't live to see it. And uh, he then turned to Elder Bednar and said, but you will. Now, Elder Bednar, seventy-one years old, brothers and sisters, and I think that <laughs> I think that what was communicated there should be pretty self-evident. That's a prophet saying. Listen, you're gonna see it. You're, you're gonna see this go down. The crowning achievement. You know these things that President Nelson is now starting to drop hints, and, and really not even hints. He's just straight up telling us now. Telling us that we are going to see what Nephi saw in vision. Well, do you know what C- Nephi saw in vision, brothers and sisters? I'm just now diving into it with that in mind. I've read these things before, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't consume them. I didn't study them, and I'm doing that now. And and I'm catching the spirit of what President Nelson is talking about. I'm catching the spirit that shows me how big of a deal it is as to what President Hinckley told Elder Bednar back in the day, 20 years ago, you know, whatever. However long ago it was. And it just it floors me. The excitement that I feel, the hope that I feel, knowing that that we... We can choose to be the people that are ready to receive the Savior return. That we will, you know, that we will build new... Are are you kidding me? We're going to build new Jerusalem, potentially? That's, That's incredible. We are going to go and redeem Zion... That's incredible. Do we understand how incredible that really is? This isn't culture. We're beyond culture now. If this is culture to you, you ain't going to make it. I get it now. I never understood that when when they would say that. Like, If this is just culture to you, I feel bad for you. Because you're not going to make it. The, The toll, the bill... Is coming due. On membership in the kingdom. It's not easy. And the lackadaisical. Fair weather member of the church. Those days are done. Those days are done. This is it. This is the gut check. This is that time in history. Where you get to perhaps seal your testimony with your blood i don't i don't know i'm not trying to be dramatic i just you know we're at that point now where like our pioneer ancestors where this comes with a cost do we realize that people on the word of a prophet likely knowingly Traveled across the country to a wilderness, an untamed land. Knowing that they were probably going to die along the way. But reading their journals, and getting just a little window into their, their mindset. Into what they were thinking. Hearing the, the, the phrases over and over, if my children... If my children will make it to Zion, then it'll all be worth it. That's incredible to me. These people were willing and did give it all. In some cases, they gave it all. They sealed their testimony with their blood. And we're buried in shallow graves in the snow. Because of this. It's not culture anymore. We can't stand on their shoulders anymore. It's our time now, brothers and sisters. It's our time now. To step into their shoes. To truly step into their shoes. And to either accept or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful defining moment in our lives and it's an opportunity. This is an opportunity. This isn't this isn't one of those things where we get to ride on the coattails of their testimony anymore or, or step on the ladder that they have built. We we've I think we've lived in, in the shadow of, of the culture for so long that we've forgotten, I've said this before, but we've forgotten what it means to struggle, what to be tested. We haven't been tested yet. Sure, we're being tested by temptations. We're getting tempted, of course, and we're having to choose every day if this is really worth it or not. But I'm talking about like, outside pressure. I'm talking I'm talking Babylon, I'm talking Egypt, right? I'm talking about about these these kingdoms who are set up by the devil that start to to put pressure on us. They start to tell us, uh-uh, you ain't going to pray anymore. Uh-uh. You ain't going to do this. Uh-uh, you ain't going to do that, right? And when that is allowed to happen for a season, a lot of people are going to lose their cool, and they're going to lose their faith, and they're going to—they're going to look to uh, Babylon. They're going to look to Egypt, and they're going to say, "You know what? Oh man, that great and spacious building over there, where everybody's laughing at me. Membership is free over there. I ain't got to work for. It. All I got to do is forsake all of this, and I can go join them and be comfortable." we really understand where we're at brothers and sisters do we really understand are we taking it seriously are you are you mentally prepared have you made up your mind do you know what your answer is going to be when Babylon comes knocking I had a class, um, it's actually in the police Academy but it was it was a very army uh type class and the instructor actually happened to be an old army dude and he it, it really uh his his style of teaching and stuff really connected with me uh, because i was i'd been in the military right i had been in 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 that exact type of setting and i've had classes very similar to that but the 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 course name was called mental conditioning for combat and again I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not trying to to elevate things into being this, you know, this crazy type of deal, but there is a sense of urgency here and I do want to communicate an idea. And so to do that I'm going to use this class as an example and I hope that we can we can apply it. The the whole point of the class was basically saying, look, If you walk into a situation and you haven't prepared for it, you're going to get blown off of your feet. Because you have no training to deal with any scenario that's going to come up. Okay? In this case, combat. It's the same reason why they train you when they give you basic training in, in the military, right? They give you basic training so you have something to fall back on. So you're not just blown off of your feet. You can apply this to a football game. You can apply this to a wrestling match, right? You can apply this to to a recital. If you go out there and you haven't prepared and you don't know what to do, you're in serious trouble. Because you haven't prepared. Your mindset isn't there, right? Now, in combat, you have to be willing to do some things. You have to be willing to take a life, right? Let alone, I think that it's its more of a given that you're going to go into it and you're potentially, you're putting your life on the line, of course. But going into combat, you've got to be willing to take a life. You've got to be willing to do some things. And you have to be mentally prepared to do that. You have to know beforehand, you have to make some decisions, you have to know that, yeah, I'm capable of doing this because I've prepared mentally for it. I know that I can potentially be killed in this scenario. I'm going into it anyway. I'm going to rely on this training that I've done, right? That's the whole point, and that's what I'm the point I'm trying to make here, is that we have existed in in such a a fair weather state for so long that, according to First Nephi 14 according to revelations chapter 7 right going into that stuff we're going to we're going to have to deal with some stuff that's going to be really uncomfortable and we're going to have to we're going to have to make some decisions as to how we're going to proceed and typically how these things happen is you can accept or reject the gospel of jesus christ if you want to alleviate the pressure Accept the 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 or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we will let up the the second that you do that. If not, you get to wake up tomorrow, and the pressure's there right when you wake up. Right? We're not even going to let you sleep. Matter of fact, we're going to make it so you you have a hard time sleeping because you're going to be stressing about all this stuff. By the way, if you guys hear my kids going wild, they're just. They're just doing normal kid stuff. They're probably beating each other up and giving each other wedgies and stuff like that. Like kids should be doing. But we don't allow them to play video games or, or watch crazy shows and stuff on Sunday. So they're getting a little wild. So if you hear them, I apologize. But they're kids will be kids. Anyway, getting back to the task at hand. Are you mentally prepared for what's coming, brothers and sisters? Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for, and this is, uh, forget it, we're just going to get controversial. The whole point of having the kingdom like the, the, the church of God, brothers and sisters, is so that the church of God can give, can give birth to the kingdom of God, right? It wasn't set up in this fullness of times to fail. It wasn't. There's a lot of craziness going on right now with offshoots from our church. Uh, my pop just sent me one uh, from Quick Media, who's a stud. I love his stuff. But talking about these people who have um, have taken this sixteen-year-old kid, who's play- he just wants to play football and stuff and they that they're saying that he's the davidic servant and all of this wild stuff it's like guys oh my gosh this is what happens when you get away from the 12 when you get away from the the prophet and his guidance you you start becoming a prophet unto yourself and you get crazy out there right you get crazy out there and then the church becomes the establishment in your eyes. And, and you know, he, he did a great job at saying, look, I'm anti-establishment too, you know, and, and I would call myself anti-establishment. I think that both the Republicans and Democrats are corrupt to the core. You know, I think that they're in league together, as a matter of fact. But I... I the church organization is inspired people will drop the ball yes but the church organization is inspired and set up in such a way that it is to give birth to the the kingdom of god which is the monarch that christ will come and and accept and be crowned in the in the um the first ...official return... ...to... Diamond, ...where the keys will be given... ...back to him... ...that's the whole point... ...of the organization of the church, right? Things are done... ...in wisdom and order... ...and are set up... ...for our benefit... ...and are set up... ...in preparation... ...for all of this stuff... ...that we're going through... ...and that we're about to go through... ...okay... It is why I, I, I so heavily emphasize the importance of clinging to the prophet, of clinging to the, the majority of the twelve, okay? People love to point out the fact that, that under Joseph Smith, that there were some apostles who fell away. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're people. Judas fell away too, you know, under Christ himself. That's why we follow the majority of the twelve, right? Like I have no problem with that. Like yeah, they're fallible men, but if we follow the majority of the twelve and the prophet, we're good. That's that's the that's the guarantee that we've been given, right? And that's what I hang my hat on. And that is controversial to some people, so be it. Choose ye this day whom you're gonna serve, you know? There is so much room for error right now, and things are so close and the the level of of dialing in that we need to have you know when when you're when you're first doing a project when you're first starting to to build something you're going through and you're you're kind of getting a rough draft and stuff well that part's done we're at the point now where we need to dial in our our instruments to the millimeter, you know what I mean? We need to get it dialed in, because if you're off now, you're going to be way off in left field, and you are going to be in serious trouble. And not only that, that's bad enough, but then you can lead your children into forbidden paths. You can lead others in your digital community, or your physical community, into strange and hidden paths and it's just a dangerous dangerous game to play and it is it is stepping off of the iron rod that's what it comes down to brothers and sisters i'm i'm i'm, I'm having a hard time not not busting out a lot of book of mormon stuff you know what i mean because we're we're going to be going into it i've been i'm i'm preparing for another another chapter here but hopefully i can get it out tonight but the whole point of the vision of the Tree of Life, like, look at it. Who is Lehi? He's a prophet. Where's he at? It's not just his family that, you know what I mean, that he's at the end calling to. He's calling to others. He's standing in for the prophetic mantle of whoever's going to hold that prophetic mantle in the future. There are, it's, it's so easy to understand when you look at it that way. The iron rod you know what I mean, is the word of God, obviously, and it's the the prophets, the ones saying, guys, come over here, right? If you let go of that rod, it freaks me out. I'll be honest with you, it freaks me out. You know? I think about about me as a kid, you know, I was there were times in my life when I was a complete moron. I was a hard-headed kid who had to learn things on his own. And I resent that about myself, you know, it's there's many like me. <laughs> I have a lot of company, okay? But I resent that about myself that I couldn't just listen to my parents on some things. I couldn't just trust in their words that they knew what they were talking about. And I resent that about myself. But I, I look at it now, now that I'm in their shoes with my own children. And I hope and I pray that they're listening to the words that I'm telling them. Because I'm able to tell them, look, I was stupid on some things. I don't go into bes- uh, specifics with them. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't tell them all my sins and stuff. I just tell them, look, you know, I've been stupid before and it caused me extreme heartache and it caused me pain. That like that. I don't want you to feel that kind of pain. I don't want you to have that kind of godly sorrow. I want you guys to be able to rise above that, you know. And I have great anxiety for my kids. And and the thought of them letting go of the iron rod to go into forbidden fat paths freaks me out. It freaks me out. And that um. That feeling, that I have for my children extends to people in my audience as well this has become kind of a community to me you know we are it's crazy to think about but we are thousands strong brothers and sisters and it i didn't know that until recently i just i just i'm not the type of guy that's going to go in and look at a lot of the the numbers on on a podcast i i do this because i feel that there's a a call and that there is a responsibility for me as an Ephraimite to open my mouth while there is opposition from the other side calling for your attention. And I just want to be a voice of reason. So I don't, I don't care about monetization. I don't care. Like I'm not doing that. I'm purposely not monetizing anything, but I, I typically don't, jump into the numbers a lot and stuff. And I just got curious the other day and I looked and I was blown away by how many people choose to listen to my voice. <laughs> I was like, wow, I, d- I didn't think that that was, uh, that it was that big of a deal. And I don't. I really don't. Any success uh, has nothing to do with me. Believe me, I know that. I think that we're in a day and age when, when people who you know not not even super intelligent people like myself i don't consider myself a brilliant human being by any means but i have a spiritual gift of i've always known that there is a a god i've always known that there is a christ and i've always known that the church is true and that is my gift that's it. i at least have that right That's my one spiritual gift, is that I know that this stuff is true. I have faith that it's true. And that has never, ever, ever been shaken. Ever. I know it's there. Whether I'm wicked or not, it's there. I know that it's true. And if I rebel, I'm knowingly rebelling against truth. And I think that because of that certain things and views that I have that I take for granted and that I thought that everybody would have they, be, they become valuable because it's just somebody talking about common sense what, what I would call common sense and what I would call common belief is, is for some reason in this time in short supply or it's at least starting to diminish I think at one time it was extraordinarily common, but in this day and age, it's in short supply. And I think that's why people are hungry. They're hungry for, for voices. They're hungry for people to start talking about this kind of stuff. And that's why I'm doing it, brothers and sisters. That's the whole point. This is the same exact fight. that, And it's a continuation. It's literally the same fight. That was uh, that happened in the pre-existence, and it never there was never a ceasefire. That the battleground just changed. That's it. We were in the pre-existent realm, wherever that is. However we existed there, whatever physical space we occupied. Okay, the the battleground changed when when Lucifer and his one third were cast down here to this place to this this uh, this creation, this planet, right a lot of people will call it a prison planet uh for them, right, and we are cast down here having having the veil of forgetfulness put upon us, having to be tested, having to have that opposition. the battle is a is it has continued since that day. it has never stopped. And so, I like to think, then I have read uh, a very close friend um, who who uh, felt prompted to allow me to read his patriarchal blessing years ago. And in there, it talked about how he uh, rose his voice in support of the Savior, how he was a strong advocate. And I, it has stuck with me since that day, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to be a strong voice in support of the Savior. And that's the whole point of this channel. That's really what it comes down to. That is the origin, the origination of the phrase, um, I, 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 I raise my voice in support of the Savior as I hope I did in the pre-existence. That's why I say that. And it's true. And I hope, brothers and sisters, that you are doing the same. And I'm not saying you have to start a podcast. There is a certain level of technical skill that you kind of have to have in order to be able to do this type of thing. It's not crazy, but I I happen to have it. And I'm not saying you have to do it on this same level where you send it out to the world, but in your sphere of influence, brothers and sisters, are you raising your voice in support of the Savior? When your kid has a question about um about evolution about us coming from monkeys and stuff like that and, and about their there being no God about this all just being stuff that uh that apparently we do in order to help us understand the world like do you have answers for that stuff do you do you oppose those ideas? you know what i'm saying like it's it, it's one of those things i talk regularly with my kids about that kind of thing we talk about about um their science classes and things that they 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 get taught that we have to kind of work through and talk about but are you at least are you at least letting your children letting your people in your sphere of influence know where you stand even when it's not popular I've caught a lot of crap <laughs> for my support of the prophetic mantle. I have had a lot of people give me a lot of guff and say some very uh mean and hurtful things to me, not only in, on this channel but but also people just in my in my life, right? I've had a lot of of mean and hurtful things said to me about that and and it's crazy to see the spirit of Satan rise up in people that you would have never seen it rise up in. That you would have never guessed. And see people who have moved on and who have forsaken membership in the kingdom over over things like this. Over, over support of, of the prophet, of the prophetic mantle. Wild and crazy stuff, brothers and sisters. And... I hope that you are reading coming back to the, the road to Damascus here. I hope that you are looking at your Book of Mormon and that you're looking at your, your scriptures, your Bible, right? I hope that you're looking at this stuff and that you're not taking the the attitude of Laman and Lemuel that you're saying, Oh the Lord doesn't he doesn't uh he doesn't make any such thing known to me. You're, you're giving up. You're, you're conceding defeat before you even try. You're not even... Like, you're, you're conceding that you won't even get 10% of what the Lord wants you to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say you try, and you only get 10%. Well, that's 10% of... That, that's better than nothing, right? And then you try again. And then maybe next time you get 20%. You keep trying until you figure it out. That's the whole point. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, and it's a journey. And we've had all this time to be able to figure this stuff out. And now we're seeing the signs of the times around us, brothers and sisters. We're seeing it happen. Now is the time to really get going, to really to really start getting serious about this stuff. I think the time was a long time ago, but I think that you know, at the very least, it's time to go now. Time to get serious about this. We need to understand what Isaiah was talking about. We need to understand what Nephi wanted us to know when he used the words of Isaiah to tell us what he saw in his vision, what the Spirit told him not to relate to us, because Nephi was probably too plain and precious. We need to look at the book of Revelations, and we need to study it, having that understanding and that the the, the precursor of Nephi in mind, and then looking at Isaiah along with it. Do you get what I'm saying here? Like It sounds like it's a tall order, but it's really not. All it is is time. I heard that today in my, in my Sunday school class. You know, uh, President Nelson said, I, I hope that what you sacrifice, that what, what you bring to the table, and he was talking about genealogy, he was talking about doing gathering Israel on both sides of the veil, and he said, I hope that you will sacrifice, that the sacrifice you bring will be your time. Because that is the ultimate sacrifice for people in our day, is time. I never have enough of it. But I seem to make time to do stupid things, right? Like just sit there and mess around on a video game or something like that, right? To sit there and mess around on on watching YouTube videos of whatever, UFC. You know, I I, I like to watch a good UFC fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love to watch stuff like that, but it's... I, at the same time, will complain that I don't have enough time to do things of the Lord... You know what I mean? There are times when I don't feel like doing this podcast. But I've I've got to do it. And when I start to to get into the spirit and when I start to portray it, I I don't want to stop. Okay? We have to get ready to redeem Zion, brothers and sisters. That is going to come very soon. We're going to get... So a little bit of a, of a trial. We're gotta, we got it maybe it's a big trial, but we have tribulation coming and then we've got to be ready to redeem Zion. And the people that are there to redeem Zion have faithfully gone through the tribulation. Set your sights on that. Read the Book of Mormon like you've never read it before that's why i'm doing that it's an excuse for me to be able to go through and to just dissect it verse by verse idea by idea and i'm taking you guys along uh, the journey with me cuz i hope that it's a benefit to somebody cuz some some of you might be you might be driving truck for 14 hours a day or something like that you're crossing the country and you know, maybe I can I can help you. I can at least give you some insights and some some cool stuff, some cool study doctrines and stuff as I do that for people in that type of situation. Or I can spark something that makes you open up your scriptures and do the same and get your own ideas. Okay? Brothers and sisters, I am going to close out here. I've... I've talked about a lot. I've had a, like I say I approach these things and I have a lot on my heart and I probably jump around a little bit but that's just I'm that's how my brain works. I hope that it has come out as a coherent thought and I hope that the spirit has attended and that it has been of of worth to somebody. If it's of worth to one person and it gets you either back on the straight and narrow or it gets you ...out of neutral. I will accept that... ...any day of the week. If it gets you out of neutral... ...and puts you into drive... ...Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. We will take that... ...as a win. 110%. I hope that you guys know... ...how serious I take this. Um, This is a responsibility... ...that I feel. It is something that I... ...I know that... ...and I again... ...don't like to sound dramatic... But I, I, if I were to not raise my voice, brothers and sisters, I feel like I will have to answer for it in the next life. And so I I give you the words and I give you the advice and I tell you the things that I tell you having that in mind. That I can, I can stand with a clear conscience before my Maker and that I can hold my head high and that I can say that I did my part as an Ephraimite. That I try to fulfill my mission, and the mission of my tribe who I represent to the best of my abilities. I know the church is true. I know that Christ is going to come. He's going to come. And that this is not just a nice cultural way to live. I know that the, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, will come to redeem His people. And that those of us who have been prepared, who have been prepared through tribulation, and who have chosen to to live the celestial law now, here, on this horrible <laughs> kingdom that we are in, with Babylon in charge, will be ready to receive Christ, to be able to redeem Zion as a people. And I hope to see you there, brothers and sisters, I hope to see you there, kneeling down after we have just finished the temple and seeing our Savior return to us in the city of New Jerusalem and accepting the temple and accepting and and, and taking over the monarch. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.